School districts are organizations. A collection of books, buses, desks, and buildings. But what makes a school district an amazing place to learn, work, and grow are the people. In Rifle Silt and Newcastle, Colorado, there are so many people that make our communities and our school district work. This podcast will hopefully showcase many of the people that make up the Garfield RE2 School District and hopefully provide some interesting information along the way. Because school districts are about community. And ultimately, Garfield RE2 is you. First of all, I just want to say, you know, thank you for, uh, you know, playing with me today and uh, being the the first uh, person in uh, Garfield Larry 2's experimental uh, uh, podcast. So thank you. And there could be no better person, I think, to start this this whole thing off than oh, our God. new superintendent. Yay! Yay so, <laughs> so Heather Grumley, um, you are... Um, what, like a week into officially being the new superintendent of Garfield RE2 School District? Is that about right? Yeah, one week and two days. <laughs> and and so uh, so how's how's that feeling for you right now? <laughs> <laughs> I would say I would say there are a lot of challenges, <laughs> a lot of challenges. <laughs> um, so let's let's talk just a little bit about about you. I've talked to a lot of teachers um, over the years and they, and they, it was just always something that they knew they wanted to do. Is that, is that how you were? Did you always, did you ever get a, a calling? Like, you know, you were, you were going, you were going to teach? You know, I, I would say that I had, so as a little girl, I had uh, a lot of stuffed animals and I used to line them up uh, when starting when I was probably in about third grade and I would line them up and I would bring my work home from school and I would pass it out to each of my stuffed animals and I would sit at the, you know, sit at the head of the bed, if you will, and I would teach school. And then when I, uh, when I had my, I, I have twin brothers that are four years younger than I am. And when they were actually old enough to sit still, um, then I targeted them to be my students in my classroom. And so there were many, many sessions. I don't know uh, if they ever appreciated the teaching that I was able to provide for them at such a very young, impressionable age. But I think that I, I knew I wanted to be a teacher from the time I was in elementary school. I think it continued to be a calling for me in high school. Um, when I worked uh, as a teacher's aide in the, in the middle school, um, and then had an opportunity to go over and work with some of our elementary students in, in the Lewis Palmer district. And then when I went to college, um, I spent many community service hours with the Latchkey program um, in, in the downtown Tacoma area. And so I spent three years with uh, the uh, most at-risk students in that particular school district. And um, I ran a tutoring program with them in, in conjunction with um, my college sorority. And that grew into a job my senior year. And though I did not stay in Tacoma, Washington, I came home to Colorado, but I, I definitely knew that I had a mission and my mission was to serve kids and teach kids. So. And, and so you came home to Colorado and, and where, where did you start your teaching? Um, well, I, I came home to Colorado actually at the time Puget Sound did not have a teaching program. And so I graduated with an English, uh, English degree with a minor in psychology. 
And so then came home to Colorado College and got my master's degree in education at that time. So it was an opportunity to kind of to kill two birds with one stone in, in grabbing a master's degree as well as a teacher certification at the same time. So it was um, an intensive two-year program or a year and a half, about a year and a half program of which I spent lit literally over a year inside its schools um, and working with several districts in the Colorado Springs area. But I definitely, um, I knew at that point that it was the right move that I had made. So, um, but my first teaching experience actually was in, um, in Garfield RE2. I got a second grade, second grade job with Bill Vitani, but I had done an interview with Bill uh, Vitani and Chuck Shoup and George Hesse. And it was, um, they were bringing in young teachers from the job fair from Greeley and interviewing us in groups at the time. And so, um, and I ended up landing a job at um, Roy Moore with Bill. One of the things that I've heard you say in my 17 years of working with you is that Garfield RE2 has raised you uh, from a teacher to, uh, you know, obviously where you sit today in leadership. And right after your first teaching job at Roy Moore, I was working in a newspaper. You were uh, had just come back from a very exciting year-long experience. Um, Tell, tell me a little bit about, about your year with Up With People. So I had done a year at Roy Moore Elementary. I was second grade at the time, and I was also part of the Rifle High School uh, track coaching team. Um, and so I had an opportunity to meet and impact um, some, you know, some high school students as well in one of the sports that I loved the most. And at the end of that year, I had actually gone home for a weekend uh, and uh, in the springtime, and, and I had gone to a program uh, called Up With People, and I didn't really know who they were. I knew that they were a performing group, and that's really about the only context that I had of them. And at the end of the show, they invite you down, if you are within the ages of 18 and 23, um, to join them and begin to, uh, and, and if you are interested in world travel as well as any kind of um, performing, then they invited you down to the to the front of the stage. And I have no idea, to be quite honest, Teresa, what drew me to them other than I loved the energy, I loved the passion, I loved the messaging behind the Up With People show. And I took myself down there at age 22 um, and, and, and met some of those cast members and interviewed with that cast. Um, indirectly, I didn't know it at the time that it was an official interview, uh, but needless to say, I ended up um, I ended up being drawn to the group and asked to come back and audition and be a part of that. And so I spent <laughs> I, I parked my Toyota truck in my parents' driveway and I put my master's degree on the seat of that truck and put it on hold for a year. And I had an opportunity to travel with uh, over 130 people from all different, uh, 130 people from, gosh, I want to say that we had over 45 countries represented in that cast. And we literally traveled from a July to a July. Uh, and we were six months in the United States and six months in Europe at that time. So what they came to find out is I was not a performer at all. I, you know, I had done sports all of my life and I wanted to be a singer, but that was, I was a, 
singer in the shower, if you will. I was not a good performer, but they gave me some jobs and let me be basically the spokesperson for the show, as well as I did some lip syncing. They felt relatively safe to have me on stage doing that. And then I really became a promoter for the cast and I was able to go out on two different stints ahead of them to set up the cities for the, pro the programming and the production. So I spent uh, about four, four and a half weeks with a smaller team out in Oslo, Norway to prepare our cast for its arrival and, um, and then set up the community service that happened to be in schools. And so it was definitely something near and dear to my heart. I got to be the spokesperson for the show through the United States when we hit Europe. Then I was replaced by those that could speak the languages of the countries that we toured in. And so I took a backseat, if you will, and became the, the classic lip syncer <laughs> for our cast. But, um, and then I got a call actually from Chuck Shoup. And, uh, and he had heard great things from Bill Vitani, who was my first principal at Roy Moore. And he had heard uh, that I was a young teacher wanting to return to the Valley. And so rumor had it. And so at that time there were no cell phones in 19, 92 and 1993. And so uh, he tracked me down through a series of uh, cast production crew. And I talked to him when I was sitting, getting ready to do a show in um, Germany, in a small village in Germany. And he invited me back to come and be part of the staff of Garfield RE2 and, uh, and take on a fourth grade position if I would so choose uh, when my tour was over. And so I landed right back here <laughs> in Garfield RE2 at Riverside. And at that time it was K-8. So everyone thought though, upon my arrival that I was this performer from this, you know, from this traveling band. And I really, I really wasn't. They had a, they had a taste of reality when I got back. But. And what a, gosh, what an amazing experience, first of all, right? To be able to see the world. And, and you had to have picked up some, I mean, obviously your amazing skills. Um, being the front person, they have to be transferable to standing in front of a classroom, standing in front of, of leaders, standing in front of community, and and just it seems like it's a it's a really good uh, foundation for what uh, you're doing now. Yeah, I would say that that world tour has carried me for the last 26 years, undoubtedly so. Um, it really, even though I was 22 and one of the oldest members of my cast, I had an opportunity to mentor many of those, you know, that were 18 and 19, getting ready to go to college, um, getting ready to springboard into what they wanted life to be. And I had been out there a little bit or had gotten a taste of it, I suppose you could say. Um, and it already had had my college experiences. Um, but I will also say that I think one of the biggest lessons across the globe is, is that idea around um, being adaptable. You know, there's a lot of families, the way that that um, up with people works is you spend in every city you go to, you are with host families. So you're, you know, you're getting off of these big charter travel buses and setting up, the, setting up all of our own equipment, if what not, to prepare for the show. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you're, you're staying with a multitude of families um, that cross all kinds of um, not only cultural, uh, cultural diversity, if you will, but also um, that of socioeconomic status. You know, I mean, from every walk of life, um, we slept on cement floors and we slept in 
feather beds and we slept in, you know, five star. At one point I got to sleep in a castle in Belgium. Uh, so just some incredible experiences along the way. But uh, really, it's it was about the people and being able to adapt across languages, you know, when they don't speak English. And of course, I don't speak, you know, their native tongue. It was an incredible, an incredible learning experience of, of the hearts of people around the globe. Um, no matter what you have, but it's it's also it was uh, it taught me about adaptability and it taught me about performing. <laughs> I would say teaching in so many ways, um, you know, is is a performance based uh, profession, and it's about reaching kids and in different ways and able to impact kids and touch kids' lives and and really hear their hearts and honor them. And I would say that every single one of those lessons I learned enough with people. And you touched on something else that I, that I wanted to ask you about. So uh, uh, you're talking about that uh, you are involved, were involved in sports. I know you're a basketball, uh, a basketball <laughs> player, but um, were you also a track athlete? You know what I was, I think that I, I, I played volleyball, basketball and track. I also played soccer. Uh, and so I was a four sport athlete throughout my high school career, but it was also a two-way high school. We were running on dirt tracks at that point. Lewis Palmer was not the 5A Mecca that it is today. Um, and so anyway, but I I loved all of those sports, but I think track really almost stole my heart, I think more than any of the others in the fact that it was an individual sport. You're always striving for your personal best. And so really it was about that inner challenge of how to grow yourself, how to get better, how to train with a team. Um, but by the same, by the same token, it was an individual effort in so many ways. And so, um, yeah, I actually did track in high school and then I ran track my first two years at um, Puget Sound. See, I'm learning things about you. I didn't know. And I've known you for 17 years. Yeah. And, and I loved basketball. There's no doubt, but I definitely fouled out of a lot of games. <laughs> So I think that the speed on the basketball court paid off on the track. Riverside Middle or Riverside at the time you started there was, as you mentioned, a K-8 school. And you you taught fourth grade, right? I did. And, and yeah. how long were you at Riverside? So I was there for, gosh, 11, maybe 11 or 12 years. You know, I'd have to really do the calculations. But I was there when it transitioned from a K-8 to a 4-8. And then I um, and then I moved up to uh, Catherine Senior when they moved the fourth grades across the district when they actually reassimilated the fourth grade the fourth grades into elementary schools. So, um, but I, I I think all told I was at Riverside for about eleven years. And then to Catherine Senior um, as both a teacher and an academic coach, correct? You bet. So I started fourth grade. Um, Bill Zambelli. Uh, was my principal, and he actually was co-principal uh, with Chuck Shoup when we were K-8, so he really handled the elementary portion, and Chuck handled the middle school portion of the school, and then Bill went on to be the principal of Catherine Senior Elementary, and was still that principal when I arrived there as a fourth grade teacher, and uh, I, I taught fourth grade there for, um, gosh, was it to maybe three, maybe three years up there before I transitioned over into the uh, academic coach. And and not to 
view any of your responsibilities lightly, but from Catherine Senior as a teacher academic coach to Elk Creek as an academic coach, then to Grand Mesa Elementary as a principal, and back up here at, to the district office as the assistant superintendent. <laughs> and, and now, I mean, what, what, what a great story about being able to grow your own in an organization. Um, I think that's one of those things that inspires people within an organization to see someone who started as, as a teacher um, be able to ascend ranks. Um, and tell me a little bit about how that variety of roles has prepared you for either one another, so your academic coach as a principal, or, or how your experiences as an aggregate prepare you for what you're doing now. Can anything prepare you for what you're doing now? I you suppose know, I would say we are absolutely, as the new buzzword says, we are in unprecedented times. And as I have really tapped on any veteran superintendent, not only around the valley, but around the state um, and some in different states around the country, I can't find one that really has ever done something like this before. So I feel like we're all kind of at square, at square one trying to figure it out together. Um, Gosh, you know, here was probably, Teresa, one of the best quotes that I heard from a teacher a couple years ago is with every, with every transition, though they all have been in education, because that really, I do believe, is my passion and always has been. Um, I, I, I never looked to get out of education and do something different. Um, I, I think that with every transition, it's almost though like you reset and you start again. And so um, it's almost like you do change professions in so many ways. Um, the audiences have certainly changed from, you know, from a fourth grade classroom, though you were certainly, um, I was collaborative with my teammates and the leadership team of the school and of course the principals and whatnot um, and served on committees across the district with adults. The, the target audience are, are kids and you're doing what's best for kids and um, what's right by kids and growing them. And then as you become an academic coach, you are still obviously impacting kids, but you're doing it through collaboration with teachers. And so that was a reset on how to gain the respect and, um, and gain, um, gain, the, gain the honor, I guess, of colleagues of mine that I had worked with side by side. And now was there, was there coaching them to, to be better and to do better, um, to want to be better, you know, for, for kids. And so, of course, then with principal, it gets a little bit bigger. Um, you know, again, you're still serving kids and they are your ultimate, um, they're the ultimate target audience, if you will, the ones that you want to serve the most. But then it's, it's again, prepping yourself for the right audiences, which are adults. And it's about, you know, working with different teams, working with different dynamics of people, um, trying to have a common mission, have a common vision, vision, but by the same token, giving people the autonomy to do what they feel is best within their own creativity, as well as the science of teaching. I mean, we've talked about that over the years, but I think, you know, and then into the district office, you know, I think just the sheer amount of years that I have spent here, I am absolutely grateful for, um, for the relationships that I've been able to forge over a lot of different venues. Um, and so that has certainly been, I think, one of the 
one of the gratitudes and one of the platforms that I've depended on is the relationships that I've had with people over the years that I've either worked with or been in buildings with or served on committees with. Um, and, you know, and of course, then my relationships with parents grew um, astronomically from one end of the valley. You know, I was certainly spent most of my career in Newcastle. And then, you know, now the last 10 years down in Rifle. And so I feel like now the community, my connections to community members across the different um, the different towns from Newcastle to Rifle have increased as well. But do they, they all prepare you um, in some regard because I think it's all about how to honor the people you're working with and how to be able to collaborate, how to be able to respect um, a difference of opinions, um, how to get to the same end game. I think we're all trying um, to do right by, by kids and we're, and we all have a passion to do that. And there's a lot of different ways to get to the end result. And I think it's really, um, I think if anything, I have sat in thousands of hours of meetings with different perspectives and learning how to honor those people across the years. As a as a young teacher coming into Garfieldary too, what uh, and and as you you continued to refine your skills and 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 learn more and be better at your craft, do you get into uh, leadership? Was it was it purposeful? Was it somewhat accidental at times? Was it how did that whole um, process evolve for you of going you from know, leading students to, to, to leading a, a building or a district? I guess I was always, so a couple different things I would say. I have been incredibly lucky to have mentors and principals and leaders around me and above me that believed in me um, and were always open to conversation. I think I have, have always had an, an intense curiosity for people's stories. And I've always had an intense um, curiosity for getting answers um, and wanting to engage in conversations that I could have. And so I, I really was not necessarily afraid to have conversations with leaders around me or leaders above me. And I think so by being in their space and learning from them and having them allow me to be a part of um, part of the work, I think definitely I guess I would say it put me in a space that people recognized um, that I was actively involved or I was, um, I was actively asking questions or I was actively making, trying to make things better. Um, and so I would say that for sure, it's been a twisty, curvy road. It has not been a straight path. I think some of the positions that, uh, that I landed in, I would definitely say uh, we're not accidents, you know, I'm, I've never been afraid of a challenge and I've certainly been, um, I guess I motivate, motivated by challenge, right? Motivated to build something bigger with a group of people, um, and do it as a team. That has always been something that, um, that I, I can take pride in at the end of the day, if it really is a better product, but I, I can't say that um, I, I woke up one day at age 23 and aspired to be a, the superintendent of a district one day. Um, I think I've just been around some incredible people that have taught me some incredible lessons um, and given me some tool sets, as well as once in a while, a gentle nudge towards um, something bigger. And, and if you can impact a classroom of 25 
why wouldn't you be able to impact a school of 150? Or why wouldn't you be able to impact a school of 300 to 450 kids? Um, and then if you can impact them in a positive way and build something special, then why don't you think that you couldn't impact, you know, um, a school district of 5,000 kids and be a part of be a part of something special in that way? So I think I have been fortunate that people have looked to me at times to say, "We think you can. We think you can do it." I think I've had some incredible people that have believed in me. Um, and so, so they, <laughs> I, they, they have been there to to push forward, and then I've been willing to take on and courageous enough, I guess, to take on some of those challenges and put myself out there um, to do them. So you're, you're going to find this quest next question that I had written prior to this morning's conversation, um, kind of funny, but I know you and I share a passion for music. Yeah, and I know that. Um, passion or that that music um, is a large part of who you are. And so my question that I wrote prior to this morning's conversation where we talked about songs and music is, do you have uh, some music that you kind of use as the soundtrack of your life or, you know, what's what's kind of on your playlist right now that that's that's uh, speaking to you? Oh, Teresa, that's an interesting question. Um, well, just this morning, um, you know, uh, we talked about our favorite songs in our meeting, and I actually said that Eye of the Tiger, you know, from Survivor, um, <clears throat> is is one of the songs, I guess, that is resonating with me. I think, ultimately, um, you know, music, music touches you in so many different ways at so many different times, right? Uh, and, you know, I am a John Denver fanatic. Um, and one of my favorite songs that he sings is actually a song called Looking for Space. Um, and it's really if sometimes you fly like an eagle and sometimes you're deep in despair. Um, and I think it's really about um, just that, that persevering through, um, persevering through life and looking for the right space for yourself. Um, I think I, I always go back to that one. That one seems to center me at times. And anything with an upbeat <laughs> that, you know, like the eye of the tiger, I mean, just with some intensity around it, obviously, you know, um, from the district's perspective, I always had, you know, in the last few years, we had the theme song of Wave Your Flag, then we had the champion by Carrie Underwood. I just think those songs with, um, with high powered messages for the time, right? Um, the one from Washboard Union um, the other day that I shared um, with everybody is, you know, we've got this. Um, I, I just think, you know, it's it's certain phrases of certain songs that kind of hit me at any given moment. And then I will play that song over and over and over again until I can't play it anymore and I got to pick a different one. So, um, but I really, you know, it's it's our time to shine. It's, we've got this. That one has definitely resonated with me in the last few weeks, especially. But I, it, it takes me back to my my track days, right? You always have those playlists. Of course, it was with a, a Walkman, you know, and your earphones and whatnot as you're warming up for that race. And, you know, and I still have the soundtrack. Of course, I'm an 80s girl, so I still have the soundtrack of Top Gun in my head. And I have the soundtrack of Rocky in my, in, in, and they were always on my playlist. And really, it's about just is if you can narrow the focus to the beat of the song, then you can get to the end of the race. And, um, and I really think that 
lots of music touches me in a lot of different ways. But this morning, it was Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> so one last question, um, and I and I know that you know there's you are brand new and and kind of goals the the big picture goals and and objectives um, haven't been set yet. So really not gonna that that's a that's a conversation for another time. I think as as we um, as we get our new new board into strategic planning and and you're able to to uh, really set the the objectives moving forward. Um, obviously, probably not going to do that in the in the first week of your of your tenure. Um, but my last question for you would be this: um, What advice would you have for a brand new teacher or a paraprofessional in Garfield Area Two School District? Um, just entering the world of education, and I know, I know it is not um, normal, traditional educational times. But you know, what would what advice would you give them on as they continue their career in ways to serve and to lead? Wow, you know what? I'm going to say every every kiddo has a story, and I would say that if you lead with your heart and you get to know their story, you will have done one of the most special things that anyone can do on the planet. Um, we have an incredible opportunity to impact lives in ways that parents can't do it alone. It takes a partnership to do that. Um, and at this point, I have mentored and impacted and taught hundreds hundreds, if not thousands of kids over the course of time. And to have them come back 20 years later and say, thank you, I would say is worth every hardship and every challenge that every new teacher is going to go through because you're going to have your ups and downs. But these kids are absolutely worth whatever it takes. And to see their eyes light up when you've done something on their behalf, or to see their their celebration of when they've learned something new or when you see the confidence build in them over the course of time because you've impacted them and had an opportunity to spend a whole entire year with them, I would say it is like no other experience that you'll ever have. And so remember that, that at your core is they have a story. Find out what their story is. Lead with your heart and you will never ever pine for any other profession on the planet. Wow. Powerful, powerful words. Heather Grumley, congratulations on being, <laughs> being the uh, next superintendent of Garfield Area 2 School District. Hey, thanks, Teresa. It's a total honor. <laughs>